All right, and so we're in a series. I like to every year, uh, every couple of years, talk around the world of, of finances. I believe it's a really pivotal part of our life. Uh, I, I believe that, that it's my job as your pastor to help you uh, get on top of your financial world so that it doesn't hurt you, crush you, distract you, take you away from God, uh, and that you don't miss out on all that God's got for your life in the realm of finances. And so that, that's kind of what I want to do today. Uh, I'm essentially, and I've written a book. We sent it to the publishers on Thursday. Uh, in the next six weeks or so, it should be ready. It's, it's, not, it's not something that I just made up on the spot. It's about 15 to 20 years of studying the Bible, my own personal experience, and pastoring people through financial challenges. So it kind of pulls a range of things together. And the essence of it is this, uh, that if your finances was a car, then there are four wheels that that car must travel on to work properly. And so it doesn't matter if you've got three fantastic wheels, if you've got a flat tire, it ain't going to work. Uh, if you've got two flat tires, you'll find yourself going around in circles. And I've found a number of Christians over the years going around in circles financially, wondering why God's not blessing them the way that they've heard He wants to, wondering why things aren't kind of working out. And so those four wheels, and you'll, you can see them up here, is a right mindset. I spoke about that last Sunday. I really encourage you. These all go together, okay? So a right mindset, that right mindset, there's multiple kinds of mindsets. One's a poverty mindset. That's a belief that God wants you to be poor and that that will honor Him. The problem with that is we can't really live in Australia if God really wants us to be poor. The government's going to look after us. So if you genuinely believe God wants us to be poor, we should go. Anyway, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to re-preach last week. Right mindset. Why stewardship? That's tonight. Very practical. Generosity, a spirit of faith. Next Sunday, Pastor Phil Pringle's going to be here. It's going to be phenomenal. In the morning, he'll be preaching about a spirit of faith for finances. And at night, we're going to have a night of power. It's going to be a phenomenal week. Make sure you're here. You're going to love it. All right. So I want to talk tonight about wise stewardship, wise stewardship. Uh, Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, or everything in it, in the NIV, the world and all who live in it. Uh, the very first thought I want us to understand from the Bible's point of view is that everything on this planet is God's. Everything, all of these chairs, they're on God's planet. They're God's. This, this building, it might be owned by a, a guy that we know, but it's God's building, okay? Uh, the, the house that you live in, whether you, whether you own it or not, ultimately it's God's because everything on the planet is God's. And God then works with us and He, he will let us have possessions and wealth or finances. And it's a loan to us to use according to His principles. It's not ours. The moment you realize uh, what I own is not mine, I'm just looking after it for God, it actually is quite radically freeing. It's like, oh, it's God's. Okay, I'm just a steward or a manager of it, a wise steward. If you can get that thought, it'll set you free. Jesus talked a lot about this. He talked about the parable of talents. He, he gives examples of someone who lends stuff to people and then comes back and they have to give an account for what they've done with the, the talents or the finances. And so here's the first thing I want us to understand tonight. Everything I own belongs to God. Say that after me. Everything I own belongs to God. Now just turn to your neighbor and say, it's all his. All right. So first thought, just got to get that. That's this wheel. 
Now, I want to talk around seven principles of wise stewardship. Not sure how many I'm going to get through tonight. Uh, You can circle back and listen to this morning's podcast, but I'm going to hit on some different thoughts. But the first one is this is wise stewardship. So if it all belongs to God and God's entrusting it to me to look after, then I need to be wise in the way I look after His resources. That's part of of the design. Uh, So wisdom, Proverbs 4 verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. I would encourage you, the Bible is full of wisdom about finances. Proverbs particularly is full of wisdom about finances. Russell Smith right there is full of wisdom about finances. There there are people in our church who are full of wisdom around finances. I encourage you to kind of pull on their experience and and, and what they've learned about money. We run money management courses. So get wisdom. Make a decision. I'm going to be a lifelong learner about how God wants me to do my money. Okay, how God wants me to marriage, uh, marriage, man, that's also true. That is also true, but that's not tonight's point. But look after that, that as well. But in terms of wisdom for your money, make it a lifetime pursuit. So I want to share seven thoughts about what a wise steward does. The first one is a wise steward tithes. A wise steward. Tithing, we're going to get to a generosity wheel. Being generous is, a, is one of the wheels of financial blessing. But tithing is not about being generous. You're like, hang on a minute. Aren't I, isn't that whole 10% thing to God? No, no, tithing is not about being generous. Tithing is a test of whether you're a steward or not. Tithing is where God says, I'm, because God's the source of all the incomes into our life, all the income into our life. Although I might work for it or invest it or it's given to me from somewhere, the source of it is God's. So he's bringing it into my life. Tithing is where I go, well, the first tenth before I spend anything else, I'm returning to you, God, to acknowledge that it's come from you and I'm a steward of the rest of it. The number 10 in the Bible means uh, test. So the tithe is a test. Every, every week when that, that money comes in and you're like, I've got all these bills to pay or I've got all these things I'd like to do. And you're like, no, first I'm giving God the 10th. I'm returning to God the 10th. That's the moment where I say, I'm a steward. It's all His. And God, I'm believing as if there's a faith component that if I trust you, you're gonna, you're, you can do more with the 90% that I've got left than with the 10%, the 100% if I kept it myself. There's a supernatural component. I love uh, in the book of Malachi, it says, put God to the test. You can test him on this. And so again, I'm not going to go into all of it. Uh, I touched on it this morning in terms of Old Testament, New Testament, the flow through it. So you, you can tune into that. The second one is budgeting. Excellent. Budgeting. Who's a budgeter? Come on. A converted budgeter. Come on, you've had a salvation moment, Dave. I love that. Like, okay, honest moment. I I hate the whole budgeting process. Uh, Like, I did accounting at uni, and I just I hate the process. I like it when it's when there's a black number at the bottom. I don't like it when there's a red number at the bottom. I like it when we agree on all of what we're, what we're going to spend our money on. I like it when, but that doesn't normally happen in round one, two, or three of setting a budget. That's just, that's the reality of, of budgeting. Okay, budgeting. But here, here it is. I want you to understand, here's the power of budgeting. Choose your pain. Choose your pain. You can either have pain for a few hours while you look at your budget 
and talk about what's important to A and what's important to B, or if you're doing it yourself, awesome, just talk about what's important to you. But if you're, you're married, you're working with someone, talk about what's important to each other, understand that, and bring some compromise together. But ultimately, the pain of setting a budget and following a budget is way less than the pain of your money getting out of control, getting bo- being stuck in credit, having thousands of dollars stuck on credit cards, not wanting to answer the phone because someone's trying to chase you down for money, not wanting to collect your mail because there's all this pain coming in the letterbox. Come on, that pain is horrible. That, the pain of never owning your own house, but, but being, you know, having to get kicked from house to house, in, in t- that pain's bad. So the pain, of, the short-term pain of budgeting can set you up from long ter- for long-term freedom. So I want to say, choose your pain. Again, turn to your neighbor and say, choose your pain. Choose the budgeting pain. That's what you want to do. Proverbs 27 verse 23 says this, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Okay, this is agriculture. That means it's, it takes diligence. All right, here you go. This is what, it takes diligence to set a budget. And then it takes diligence every, whatever it is, I I look at ours monthly. My goal is by about the 10th of the next month, what are we today? The 6th, I've got four days. My goal is by around the 10th of the next month to review how we went in the last month. That's my goal. To see where everything went, to see how we went compared to budget, to have the awkward conversations, do we need to make some adjustments? Sometimes I just print it out and give it to Daddy L and then I run. <laughs> Let her absorb it. But that's my goal. See, setting a budget is one thing. Sticking to a budget is another thing. Checking it every month. Now, there's lots of, you guys, okay, we're full of a tech-savvy room. Who's tech-savvy in the room? Come on, you've got a mobile phone. You're tech-savvy. There are apps that make it so easy. When you spend something at the same place over and over, it just goes, if, at the IGA, it goes through to groceries. And you're like, oh, okay. That, anyway, so here's how you set a budget. Real quick, real quick summary. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Plan 12 months in advance. 12 months. That's, that's how you set a budget. You look at the year to come and you go, all right, in the next 12 months, I'm loving you guys. If you guys can get this, it's going to change your lives forever. Just avoid the pain. All right. So you set a budget for the next 12 months. You've got a car. That means you're going to have... Rego to pay, insurance to pay. Uh, so, you know, that you, you can do that monthly or you can just go, here it is, here it is annually and it's 500 bucks and a five, that's $1,000 a year. And so you, then you build that into your budget. How much is that a month? $1,000 a year, it's about 20 bucks a week. You just build that into your budget so that when you get your insurance bill, you're not being attacked by the devil. It's not like a financial attack. It's just that was coming. You just need to plan in advance. Okay, so you, 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 here's what you do. You write down, this is what I think my income is going to be conservatively. The first 10% is my tithe. I return that to God. Then here's my fixed expenses that I can't, get, I can't go without. While you're, while you're staying at home, living off your parents, save as much as you can. Just saying right now. All right. Anyway, your fixed ex- housing, education, groceries, insurance, all sorts of things. This, I would encourage you to go to Dave Ramsey Solutions to learn how to do a budget or to find someone who can coach you to do a budget. All right. And so you've got regular things. That's your fixed expenses. You're like, I pretty much can't change those expenses. But what I can do then is work out my discretionary expenses. 
They're things like your clothing. Because you can spend five grand on clothes or you can spend $500 on clothes in a year or you can spend $50 on clothes in a year. Come on. You, you can do that. That's discretionary. Your clothes, your eating out. I know that, that is also discretionary. Uh, your, your entertainment, you're going to the movies, your Netflix. I know it's hard to believe, but that's discretionary. That's not a fixed cost. I know, harsh. Right, these are all, these are all, okay, I'm getting some help. That's, these are discretionary. You can, so here's the, here's the go. So this is what you want to do. You want to go, all right, I've got a goal. 10% God says, return it to me. That's mine. Then here's, here's what, how you want to think. You want to think not just expense, expense, expense. You want to think two buckets. You want to think savings and you want to think giving in addition to, all, to your tithe and expenses. Because you, the reason you want to think giving is it's one of the wheels, it's generosity. And if you want God to take you beyond where you are right now, you need to sow seed that He can multiply back to you. So otherwise you're just going to get stuck where you are right now. So you want to do it God's way. You sow seed. So there's the generosity bucket and the saving bucket is where you begin to save money so that you're not getting into debt, so that you're, maybe that saving is a deposit for a house. Maybe the way you're saving is you're paying the principal off your house. But whatever it is, that's saving. And that's, that's what will get you. So here's, here's how you do it. And this is, if you're married, here's a little tip for you. Before you set the annual budget, spend some time praying. Uh-huh. And then begin to talk about what's important to you because very often the spender marries the saver. Come on, give us a wave, all the savers in the house. Give me a wave, all the spenders in the house. All right. The spender and the saver. Or I've created a third category, the giver. We've got another category. It's like, I'm just happy to give it all away and live in a tent. How many of those have we got in the house? Oh, some of you are lying, but that's okay. So, that, that, that's, so you work it out and you begin to talk. What's important to you? What's important to you? And I love this principle. This is a goal. And this is what Danielle and I live by. Our, 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 we live by this. 10% tithes God's, 10% of our income we like to give away. That can be compassion kids, vision builders, uh, uh, people in our neighborhood, or those that God want, puts in our heart to be generous towards. Uh, it can be visiting ministries. So that, that's sort of a bucket. And then 10% we're, we're wanting to save, to build equity so that we can invest it because then that can create income streams which means my whole life is not restricted to what I can earn through my hours, but ultimately I can invest money. Now you're like, whoa, really? I've got, absolutely. If you can get this right now and begin to put money aside in the untouchable account, there's another tip. Put it in the, you can't access this from your, from your card or without going into the bank with somebody else, you know? It's like you, there's got to be three keys that have to unlock that account. Just, just put it into savings. And then also get in the habit of that. Who, who's, am I helping anybody tonight? All right. So live off the seven. And here's the thing. Now, you mightn't be able to afford to do the 10% save, the 10% give. But maybe you can start with 2% give and 2% save. And then you can build it up. You've got, your, you've got your tithe going. If you're not tithing yet, just build towards it. The Bible says, test God. I've heard so many stories again and again where someone goes, I can't afford to tithe. I go, well, you're limiting God from getting involved in your finances. So begin and just do a three-month challenge. Just 
Go after it and watch what he does, okay? But then, so you might be 2% and 2%. Then it might be 5% savings and 5% giving. I'd like to be at the 20% giving and the 20% saving. I'd actually like to be at the 30% and the 30%. But anyway, but as this goals of increase, that's where faith and wisdom go hand in hand. Otherwise, you, you don't want to give away the seed that you need to sow, but you also don't want to give away the equity that you need to build. They go hand in hand. Are we making sense here tonight? All right. That is number, I believe that was number two. Uh, that's all right. Number three is wise use, of, wise use of credit. Oh, we've got all the big ones going on. Is that the number three? No. Diligence. Let's talk about diligence. All right. Diligence is just working hard. That means working I know, it's exciting. this is really exciting. <laughs> diligence means that the Bible says in Proverbs, it says uh, the hand of the diligent will be made rich. So God rewards hard work. That's, that's the, the majority of the way in the first season of your life, the money is going to come into your life will be through hard work. Then if you can save and invest well, well, that, that can actually eventually outstrip your hard work. But for the first half of your life, the majority of the way income is going to come into our lives is through hard work. Now, we have testimonies stand up here and we talk about the supernatural provision of God, and it's awesome. And that's part of the whole picture of God wanting, as a provider wanting to bless you. But more often than not, the way He blesses you is with favor in your work promotion in your work, bonuses in your work. Notice when he wants, uh, he wants a gold coin to pay the temple tax, he doesn't say, let's get that gold coin to pop out of the sky. What does he do? He says, Peter, what are you good at? Fishing. Go and fish. He pulls a, he pulls a fish in and it's got a gold coin in its mouth. So God, he, God will use what you get good at, skilled at, you work at, and he'll bless it. And that's where supernatural favor will get on your life. That's why if you're in business or sales, you want to be at the Pathfinders prayer meeting every, every third Wednesday of the month, just, just saying, because you want that anointing to get on, your, on you. So that's hard work. Not too hard, not like ridiculous 70-hour weeks, that'll hurt you. Have a day off a week, set a day off aside for God, but hard work. We're doing good. That's, that's, that was good. That was a good point. All right, what's, next? what's number four? Let's go with number four. <laughs> Excellence. Excellence. The Bible talks about this. Excellent. Thank you so much. I heard that. I feel like that was a movie way, way back. Excellent. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a backseat to anyone. All right, let me talk to anyone who's like, well, what? I want to work hard and I want to get excellent. What should it be in? Here's what I'd say. Work out what you've got a natural ability in. You might be really good with people. You might be really good selling stuff. You might be really good with creative things. You might be really good uh, with design. You might be really good building things. You might be really good with numbers. What, just, what are you good at? Then study in that area. Or may, ideally, get something that you enjoy. So that you can, the Bible, Ecclesiastes says, enjoy all the days of your life at work. It's a gift from God. Something that's, that you enjoy. You won't enjoy every moment of it. But something that is a general rule, oh, this, is, this works for me. I, I enjoy this. Then get really good at it because if there's a demand for it, if you're really good, people will pay premium if you're really good. Or if it's a business that you run, people will pay premium for excellence. That's one of the ways God will bless you. All right, number five is integrity. God hates cheating in the marketplace. Proverbs 11 verse 1, He loves it when a business is above board. Hates cheating. Don't expect to do some little Swifties over here 
and expect God to bless you. Don't expect, that's not how He works. Don't expect to be, oh, now, can I get practical? Don't expect to go, uh, when you're working for somebody else, and when you get a 30-minute break, have a 45-minute break, but not, t- not tell you anything about it, and expect God to bless you, because that's not integrity. Don't expect to sit on your uh, laptop or your phone all day uh, playing social media or playing games while you're at work. It's supposed to be productive. Now you're robbing your boss. Oh, I know it's getting quiet in here, isn't it? So this is, this is what integrity looks like. Integrity looks like declaring all your income for the government so that you pay your tax on it all. Not some little cashies. Oh, okay, just the same. That's what integrity looks like. If you want God to bless your financial life, then you have to walk in integrity. And everybody said, amen, amen. It was getting hot in here. Number, uh, number, okay, we've got a few more minutes. Wise use of credit, number six. I'll come back to that if I've got time. Number seven is investments. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Think, so here's the mindset. I'm, I'm putting money aside in my budget and I'm saving it so that I can buy assets because assets will produce income or increase in value. So an asset, for example, would, would, could be a house that I could rent out to somebody so that asset could produce income. That's a wise steward builds up assets to earn streams of income from different things rather than spending all their money. Okay, this is the, this is the discipline of being a wise steward. Uh, 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 you might be buying shares in somebody else's business. You might be buying an asset that increases in value over time. Hot tip, technology does not increase in value over time. So that, that phone that you really, really, really want, but the one you've got really works right now, mightn't be exactly a priority, just saying right now. Just nudge your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. He's talking to you. (laughs) Live within your means. That's the principle of being a wise steward. Is it okay if I'm practical here tonight, everybody? All right, last one is this wise use of credit. Okay, let's just bring it home. We live in a society where the bank is trying to trap you, where financial institutions They're trying to catch you out. They're trying to get you spending more than you earn with the promise that it will make you happy. But fleeting happiness from the holiday, the clothes you bought on Afterpay, the the experience that you had that you can't afford right now, but you thought, I deserve this. Come on, somebody. This is what I deserve. This is going to make me happy. And when the happiness goes after one day to seven days, then you're left with debt. The Bible is very clear what debt is. Debt's like a noose around your neck. Debt's, debt is uh, Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. So it's always a worthwhile question to go, if I can't pay, it, okay, here's two things. If it's not going to increase in value, okay, which is most stuff that we would spend money on, if it's not going to increase in value, it's really a good rule of thumb to not borrow money for it. Because what will happen is it will go down in value and you've, you've loaned this much money, it goes down in value and exorbitant interest rates take it up to here and suddenly you bought something for $1,000 but you've been paying $100 every few months in interest. And something that cost 1000 has now cost you $2,000 and it's being an unwise steward. So 
Don't borrow money for something that's going to decrease in value. And number two, if you don't have the cash, then buy it. I know, it's so, so revolutionary, I know. I know. Now, hey, have I always been perfect at this? No. Has Danielle always been perfect at this? She's awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> now, this, there's, there's been moments where we've got caught and we're like, flip, get out. Get out of the buy now, buy now, pay later. And that's, you know, the last 10 years we've turned that around, but there's moments because it's so easy to get caught in the trap. So don't get caught in the trap. Choose your pain, the pain of that old couch. It's okay. It's functional. The pain of the secondhand car instead of the super expensive one. Come on, the, the, the pain of, anyway, I'll go through it all. Those, those shoes, that, that probably the ones that are half the price without the little label on them. They could be okay. They're probably made at the same factory. Just saying. Oh, ouch. So practical tonight. So harsh. So for some people, the most revolutionary, life-changing thing you could do would be to cut up your credit card. If you're not paying your credit card off every month in full, it's probably time to get rid of it because it's just encapsulating, getting you into a debt. If you've got multiple credit cards, no judgment, but you just got to make a decision tonight. I want to get out from under this trap. I know people have shared their stories. They're coming to this church, $60,000 in debt, in credit card debt, and just had to make, it just started with a change to go, God, I got to do things differently. Cut up the credit card, begin to pay things off radically as fast as you possibly can and watch God bring his supernatural, his super onto your natural steps, his super onto your natural. All right, can we close our eyes together right now? I oh, know, how's that for a baptism night message? That's just amazing, isn't it? What the heck? I want to help you in your life. Close your eyes right now. Father, we just thank you for your presence here. We thank you that your word is filled with wisdom, filled with wisdom for our finances. And I'm asking us tonight that, that you'd help us to rule over our money, to not let it control us. We want to control it. We don't want it to control us. Money's a terrible master. It's a great servant. So Father, help us with our wise stewardship wheel. Some of you tonight, you're like, okay, I just, I need to sit down with a mature leader or someone who can help me with my budget. Maybe just, maybe just coming clean with a leader around church or someone you respect and saying, I'm, I'm stuck in debt. I can't seem to get out. Can you help me? Can you pray with me? Maybe it's cutting that credit card. Whatever it is, Lord, would you just help us to make wise choices? Would you help us to live in a way that honors you. We want to be fully immersed, fully surrendered followers of Jesus. So tonight we surrender our money. It's yours anyway, but we surrender it to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.